Memory. Passion. Alone. Mourn. Guilt. Loneliness. Regret. Peace. Relationships. Unfamiliar. If you put God first, you'll never be last. This is Grief at the Cookout, hosted by DiCarlo Raspberry. Hello, family. Welcome to Grief at the Cookout. Today, I am joined by Pamela R. Brown, affectionately called on this podcast, Auntie Pam. (laughs) Pamela is an experienced mental health professional with over 20 years of demonstrated success as an author, impact leader, strategist, and human services practitioner. Professionally astute in human services, behavioral health, emotional intelligence, strategic leadership, capacity building, program design, and implementation. Pamela is the chief impact leader of Power Up Life Boss and the proud author of You Got This, a journal for intentional living, an executive director, board president, graduate fellow of George Washington University and graduate of Lincoln University and soon to be Dr. Pamela R. Brown studying at Morgan State University. Tune in to this impactful episode as Pamela and I discuss the topics of emotional intelligence, relationship management, self-evaluation and relational being surrounding grief, depression, and suicide. Miss Pam. Oh, I feel like I have an auntie on the podcast today. Miss Pam, welcome to Grief at the Cookout. Oh my goodness, DeCarlo. I am happy to be at the cookout. (laughs) I'm so glad you're here. I'm really glad you're here. Background story, uh, you all, I met Miss Pam when I was doing a show earlier this year called uh, Girls of Madison Street, which I talked about in the last episode by Ayanna Blake. And she came not once, but twice. That's right. <laughs> and she stayed back for a talk back and she and just so many questions were going on and she was just giving so much insight. And so I had to get her on the podcast (laughs) i had to i'm just glad you're here thank you thank you so much for joining us today oh my goodness the i can't thank you enough for even extending the invitation to me and uh let me be that proud auntie to applaud you on the work that you're doing because you're not just doing work but you are a change agent as well as you're making impact And, you know, it's something about, you know, especially for those of us who work also in a nonprofit world, when you're talking about your return on your investment, right? Mm -hmm. And many times when you're working with the community or the people that we serve, and particularly now talking about grief and sorrow and all that's going on in our world, it's hard for those investors, whoever they are, or those stakeholders to get an immediate return on what they think of their investment. Mm, that's good right but there's another roi that i like to talk about that i see that you you're mastering it already and it's the return on impact Mm. Mm. your return on impact 
is every bit, every ounce that you do, whether it's a kind word, whether it's going the extra mile, spending extra time, sacrificing something that you know, that's, that's investing as well as being able to make impact. Whether you see it or not, you better believe you're going to see the return of the impact. Oh, I appreciate that. Oh, my goodness. I'm getting a little watery, teary-eyed over here. <laughs> I've never heard anyone talk about the return of impact. And, you know, uh, doing this, um, I'm not doing this for personal gain. I'm not doing this to gain notoriety. But I realized that there is a healing that needs to take place. And in our community, we don't talk about certain things and not just in our community, but everywhere. There's things that we just don't talk about that are taboo. And uh, it was like this unctioning and this push that I got from God to say, talk about the hard things. And when you give a yes, everybody else is going to fall into place. So I really appreciate that. I really yeah, appreciate I mean, that. I needed it, to hear that one right there. Yes. And just, and just the title of your show, of your platform, Grief at the Cookout. Well, where do we come together the most? We love to come together, right? Yeah. Where there's food. Yes. At come on, talk about reunion, it. At the family reunion. I don't know about you, but I was raised on Sunday dinners. That's right. My grandmother used to prepare Sunday dinner as if it was Thanksgiving every week and it was because it's where our family came together you you talked about everything Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. talked about everything and you know what it's funny that you say that because there's a question that i like to ask all my guests when they come on the show and that is what is your favorite cookout food Ooh, everything (laughs) (laughs) look look, not everything Everything, okay. Everything, everything. everything. <laughs> I love a good cookout because for me, it's not just the food; it's the entire experience. Yeah, I mean, from driving up to wherever it is and being able to smell that smoke from the grill, the, uh, the hot grease from the fried fish that's going on on one side, the music in the back. That's before. I, that's as I'm walking. As you're driving, parking. As you're driving and parking. All of that is part of the experience. Mm -hmm. And so my favorite food, let me think. Everybody can't do my favorite food, and that's potato salad. Listen, talk about (laughs) it. We don't eat everybody potato salad now. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I love it. I love it. And. You know, that's that's how I like to start out. I like to start off on that good old high note, because like yes. you said before, we come together in fellowship and, and food is always there. And, you yes. know, when you come, you, people have arguments over food. People make peace over food. You know, we talk about food. We talk about who food we going to eat and who yes. food we not going to eat. Absolutely. <laughs> Clearly, we make that very clear. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. So, folks, as we are closing out our uh, Mental Health Awareness Month, we had Ayanna Blake last week and this week we have Miss Pamela Brown. Uh, we're, today we're going to talk about grief. We're going to talk about depression and we're going to talk about that taboo subject of suicide. Um, it's something that has been plaguing our community and the suicide rate 
amongst African-Americans is so high right now, and especially in black men. Uh, And it's something that I don't think is talked about enough. But I also believe that there's not enough education on what is grief and what is depression. And we know that grief can lead us to depression. And me speaking for myself, I went upon losing my father. I didn't realize that I was falling into a depression and I didn't realize it until I hit rock bottom. And then I'm like, something is going on. That's not making no sense to me. And I realized that I needed to seek some type of counsel, seek some help because I was dealing with grief uh, that I didn't you know, that that thing that you deal with grief, grief about that you really don't deal with. Right. <laughs> and and it led me into a depression where I was snapping at people and I was not the kindest person. I wasn't the nicest person. And I just didn't understand why. So, Miss Pam, on this podcast, when we talk about grief. We talk about the absence of joy and we put it. Uh, we we create this big umbrella because under it is so many different circumstances that yes. causes, you know, an absence of joy. So when we talk about grief, just kind of, you know, let's school school us, you know, what, you know, what is your thoughts on grief and your thoughts on depression? Mm. You know, I think the very first thing um that, and not because I'm just trained as a behavioral health specialist, but I think one of the most important things is that we have to, first of all, just recognize it for what it is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? You have to recognize it because one of the behaviors that we talk about that many people do it, whether it's intentionally or not, is denying and avoidance. Mm-hmm. Those many times are coping mechanisms to deal with the grief to deal with depression, if I would just avoid it, or if I, you know, it's over, I put it on the shelf because right now I have to be this person. So my work and what I love is the theory of emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence, and I'm not even going to get too clinical. (laughs) But it's okay if you do. It's okay if you do. (laughs) Let's just, let's talk about so we all can can know what it is. It, mm-hmm. It's emotional intelligence is the ability, one, to recognize your own emotions. And because you recognize your own emotions, you realize that that drives your thinking and it drives your behavior. Now, you're talking about grief and depression. I, I, can I be transparent on this show? Yes, please. Go uh-huh. ahead. Okay. Just yesterday, I had a very close friend, almost like a nephew. He pleaded for an emotional support. Pleaded. When someone pleads, because people are like, well, what, what are the signs? First of all, pay attention to that body language. His eyes were practically bulging. Mm. He was sweating. His stance was all in my face. That to me is a sign of desperation. I need help. Yeah. So we have to pay attention to the outward. We have to pay attention to the inward. You know, 
people are not going to just walk around necessarily with a sign that says, hey, I'm about to commit suicide on Friday, so y'all be on the watch out. No. There are behaviors that we can pay attention to. If there's somebody that you know is just very lively, Mm -hmm. engaging the life of the party, and then a while you see them every time and they're either withdrawn, they're super chill, you just know that they're out of character, there there might be something going on with that person. Yeah. So it's important when you say, well, what do we, what do we do? It's important to check in on people. First of all, check in on yourself. Come on, talk about it. <laughs> right. Let's yeah. check in with self. Be true to yourself. People say, oh my goodness, she's crazy. She She's talking to herself. You better believe I talk to myself sometimes because sometimes that audio Not that it just stays in my head or my mind, but sometimes I have to say it to hear, Pam, are you really thinking that way? Mm -hmm. Did you really mean to say that? So I'm constantly self-evaluating myself before even dealing with certain things. Mm. Mm. Self-evaluation. And... You know, I guess because I can't, you know, I can't speak for no one else. So all I can draw on is, you know, my my situation and what I what I went through. And I and I guess like, you know, not that I guess, but I know there was that moment of denial. And what I had realized for me, it wasn't that I grieved uh, it wasn't the death of my dad that I was grieving. It was everything that happened within my family that I was mm. grieving. And, you know, like oftentimes we have people and I think that's something that we don't talk about is when we lose something or we lose someone uh, or a job or an opportunity. Sometimes it's everything that happens in between and not exactly that particular loss, if yes. that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yes. And I, uh, I, and I never really understood it until I went through it. And I'm, and I'm realizing the things that happened with my family, the lies that were told, uh, you know, you know how we do black folks <laughs> sometimes <laughs> when people die we want to take over we got that takeover spirit we want to yes. do this we want to do that you know and and i understand that that is coping for people that is there's things that were uh were were left unsaid and so people are trying to uh overcompensate and and trying to figure out how they're going to navigate so they do these things but what it's doing is it's causing more hurt and more harm to the situation and it's not helping and so people walk away from uh moments of of grief scarred because it's it's everyone trying to cope, but everyone is bumping heads. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it causes all of that uh, deep sadness and that deep hurt. And you are trying to figure out why you're angry. And I realize I'm angry because of what my family did and how they acted. I came to peace with my dad passing 
although it hurts, I'm, I'm grieving it, you know, and I, and I recognize that and I'm, and I realized that, but I was in denial about the fact that I was mad and that I was angry. <laughs> and so I see that emotional intelligence kicking in, you yes. know, and, and, but talk to me a little bit about, if you can, how that grief that we experience leads us into this depression hold, uh, mm. you know, where, because for me, I didn't realize the emotional intelligence didn't kick in until I had realized I'm really mean to people. Um, I'm taking my anger out on people and I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to do anything. I don't, I don't want to be bothered with people. And then I realized, and it took me a long time to say, I'm depressed because I've never been in this place before. So mm -hmm. it was hard to realize I'm actually in this place. And I think that a lot of people are in that denial stage that they are in this place, especially off coming out of this pandemic, you yes. know? Yeah. Yes. So what's your, you know, whether, you know, from from your per professional point of view, from your your personal point of view, why is it that we get and we hit rock bottom and then we realize something is wrong? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it goes back to, first of all, how you said that you define grief mm -hmm. as that absence. Mm -hmm. Right. Many times people use just the term grief when we're talking about death. You not only experience grief during a death, you can experience grief in the absence of a loss of a job, the loss of a pet, having to shift, relocate, all kinds of, there are many several forms of grief, but the thing that we have to do first of all is realize it is grief. Grief is a natural emotion. There's nothing strange about it. It's not abnormal when you experience it. You're not the crazy one because we don't like grief is real. It's mm -hmm. a real emotion. Now, the last time I looked at you, Carla, we weren't created as robots. Come on. We're not robotic. <laughs> no, not at all. Right. Mm -hmm. We were created to be relational beings. Mm. That was the intention to be a relational being. So when we talk about grief and, you know, and then how that can segue into depression, I say this, either the grief will manage you or you can manage the grief. I didn't say take it away. I said the key word there is manage. Who's going to manage who is the grief going to manage you or are you going to manage your grief? So then hopefully, you know, you, you spend time with the person most yourself. So I know what it takes for Pam to manage my grief. And it's not always the same platform. Each time I experience grief, I lost my dad several years ago. My dad and I were like thick and thin. You talk to I me mean, every day. And I did slip into what I call depression. But I, I learned how to manage it 
versus it managing me. One, I knew for surface what it is. Now, two, what can Pam do to manage the grief? So that's part of the whole process so that it won't lead into the depression is, well, what can I do? What would this, I started thinking, what would my father have me do? Eating, my dad loved to eat crabs. He was a seafood lover. Do some things that he liked to do so I could still hold on to those good times without forfeiting or avoiding or denying, though, my feelings of grief. So I learned to manage it. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, that that brings up another question that I have for you, because I know this is something that I think people don't realize. Uh, but while when we're managing the grief, oftentimes we fall into an unhealthy way of managing the grief uh, <clears throat> that leads to addictions and uh, just unhealthy ways of living. Uh, mental thoughts, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned mm-hmm. holding, um, holding uh, th- those, those, that place of your dad of holding on to those good memories and engaging in those activities that you all had did together. Um, how can one stray away from the unhealthy addictions like sex addictions and drugs and, you know, while they're learning how to cope? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, one thing is when you're talking about those type of behaviors, oftentimes it's to escape, mm-hmm. right? Talk, you're you, talking. Yeah. That's you want to escape whatever, whatever it is. I want to escape this feeling that's making me feel bad. I want to escape this relationship I may know I shouldn't be in it. I love him. I love her, but I should, but I want to escape. So escapism is, is real. So determining, okay, I need to get away from this, but are drugs the right way to do it? Is excessive drinking the right way to do it? Is sexting? It is, is shopping over. So the key word here is moderation. Come on. It's moderation. Now, now we again, we're human, we're relational, so some of that stuff is not going to stop. But it's the excessiveness, it's the extreme, which causes those behaviors to become the addictions. So again, it's identify. You got to know yourself. Well, what what do I love? Well, mate, for me, it might be a matter if I had some time to turn on some Earth, Wind, and Fire, and listen to the greatest hits, or 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 what's the group now? Um, what's his name? Silk Sonic. Uh-huh. With Bruno Mars and yeah. but you know what I'm saying? See, those those are feel good songs to me. So it takes me. We call that grounding. It helps me to be grounded and escape in my mind for just a little bit, mm. so that I will not indulge in the behaviors that I know I shouldn't be indulging in mm-hmm. or engaging in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. And I think that <clears throat> uh, lots of times. You know, we have in, you know, again, I can only speak for our community, you know, from my point of view of being black and, you know, and in America, but we deal with a lot of generational curses. Yes. And it comes out when we're trying to escape. And I like that, that you use that, that escapism. But like you said, in moderation, but there's a healthy way of coping 
and, Absolutely. and finding an escape, but escape into a place where you can, like you said, feel those memories, um, get to that place, whether it's writing again, whether it's performing, you know, <clears throat> I had lost quite a few jobs performing, you know, from the pandemic and I was sitting at home and it wasn't until it kind of all crashed down on me from being home for like two months. We're like, okay, I, I still have a job. I'm still making money, but I lost my outlet. And so now what do I do? Like, what does a creative do? You know? Right. And so it's like when the creative is left to do nothing, they're itching to break forth. They're itching to, to do something. And so I was presented with some, you know, to do some opportunities of just singing and doing a lot of, you know, online work and different things like that. But it also took a level of initiation from my part to say, mm -hmm. okay, there's something that I can be doing. I need to just search for it because the pandemic kind of put people in this idle time where, yes. where it was a moment for us to rest for those people who work day in and day out. It was a moment that God said, okay, now sit down. <laughs> it's time for you to rest and that's okay. But then as we rested, we got too comfortable and then mm -hmm. we got a little idle. And then as we got idle, <laughs> you let those, those thoughts kind of start to fester. And that's where I think people started to realize, okay, I'm grieving. But like you said, how are you managing this grief? You know, and I think that it's important that those of you all, those of you who are listening, realize that it's okay to, as Auntie Pam said, because she's an auntie of this podcast now, <laughs> to say, I am grieving. And that's okay. Yes. And it's okay to say I'm feeling depressed. Yes. And, and that's okay because that is a feeling. But now you have to find a way to manage it and yes. manage it in the most healthy, healthy way. <laughs> yes. You, you said it. You said it. And, you know, one thing in particular for our community, communities of color, the stigma that's associated with mental health. Yeah, right. talk about it. Let's let's seek a professional. Notice I said professional, licensed, certified therapist, counselor, or behavioral health professional without feeling like I got I can't let anybody know that I'm going to do this. I, I'm getting up early before I go to work to do. Nobody can know that I'm seeing. No, you are doing the right thing. That's why we have health insurance and other benefits. When you need to call out sick, sometimes you need to call out for a mental health day. Yeah. Because I used to tell folks sometimes, look, y'all, you will want me to call out today because <laughs> I am not fit for human interaction. That's what I used to tell my team. Look, today <laughs> I am not fit for human interaction. It was good for me to take that time away. And it was also good for them because my thing is like Tabitha Brown says, don't go and mess up somebody else's day because of your stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
like you were saying, you know, because see, that's the the outburst, the adult temper tantrums, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. the misbehavior, mm-hmm. the nasty attitude, the talk. See, those are all outward expressions of stuff that we're not dealing with in a healthy manner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you don't manage that grief, if you don't recognize it, if you don't know, recognize that you are depressed, if and, and let's just keep on being transparent. If you don't even acknowledge that you might be having suicidal thoughts, we're in da- that's the red zone. We're in danger. Call it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Call a spade. You know how card games call the spade a spade. That's call right. that emotion. Call that behavior. Call that feeling for what it is. Because if you don't truly call it and be your authentic self, you can't get the authentic help, the authentic assistance that you need to deal with the root of whatever's going on. Mm. Authentic is so many copycats. Boy, I tell you, social media got us thinking that we all are superstars. <laughs> Everybody got a like. Everybody got a like. Everybody. No, be you. You don't have to post every bit of your day, all of your bit. Who, first of all, who cares besides you? Let's be. Who cares? Come on, be transparent. Who cares? Okay. Who, who cares? Who cares? So don't let that social media celebrity stuff get in your way of your journey. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know what this thing called life is a journey. It's a path. So don't let that distract you from what really is your real purpose, your real calling, what you're destined to do. You talking good. This, you know what, what just came to mind that so often we are trying, like, especially with social media, because social media, you got to learn how to use it. It, it, it's a tool. Use it as it's a, a tool. tool. It's That's not right. something that should make you feel like you have to be the next thing or you have to catch up. It's a tool because you can get lost in this world. And what's so happen? What's happening now with uh, the millennial age? You know, my age group, and and what's happening in the school systems, and and you know, the children right now. They're, they feel this pressure, this peer yes. pressure to keep up and to keep going. And what's happening is they're dealing with grief because <clears throat> this person didn't like my post. This person didn't share this. This person, we're the ones, like you said, care. We're the ones that care about it. But we have to find uh a way, and I think that goes with changing our perception and changing our conception and our perspective on this journey, as you said, and knowing that we have assignments. Yes. And these assignments sometimes are not pretty. <laughs> sometimes it, it takes you through a moment where it's not all about you. And I believe that we have to learn how to serve, you know, and, and serve uh, in a way where things do not affect us. Uh, yes. But when we get to a place where we're looking for the next like or to become the next viral sensation, we are experiencing bouts of grief. And Absolutely. because we're trying to keep up, 
we're not managing it and then we fall into depression and because people feel like they're not being seen or that they're not being heard uh, in their quest to some type of success through social media, then they decide to take their lives, you know, and because people are not uh, people don't speak from an educated point of view. <laughs> when they're on social media, you have yes. people hiding behind phones and behind computers that uh, when they uh, make statements, they are giant in their statement right. making, you know, that they're, 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 they're so strong, but they don't have no type of education or nothing, uh, no type of license behind it, you know, and we allow these people to bully us into depression bully us into grief and bully us into suicidal thoughts yes yes i mean i know so many and i'll I'll talk about the young ladies high schoolers who feel that and i think it's attributed to their social media presence that they have to go to school made up to the gods glamorous (laughs) every day and i'm like lady this is this is I need you to have that type of attention towards your books, but to, you know, but the pressure that you're speaking of, this is who they see me. This is who they've come to know me as this is, this is what I have to do. And so again, that distraction on your, what your assignment is, you're, you're lost because you're so caught up on the surface, but not the substance. Mm. Wait a minute. Say that again. That was good. (laughs) You're caught up on the surface, mm. but not the substance. Because, mm. see, the surface can be scraped away. Yeah. But when I'm talking about the substance, that's under, that's the, that's what's holding it all together. Yeah. There's a difference. Yeah. And I'm trying to teach folks, and, and I'm trying to model in my own life, it's all about the substance. Yeah. Not the surface. Goodness me. That's good. Now, that's a word. Well, that's it, y'all. Look. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you are dropping gems. I mean, you are truly dropping gems. So Auntie Pam has a uh now correct me if I'm wrong. It's a journal. It's a journal entitled You Got This. Yeah, talk about that. It's, you know, when you talked earlier about, you know, what type of tools, what kind of mechanisms do people have? Mm-hmm. I used to do trainings across the country to folks, to, in particular to clinicians, and their clients would say, you all tell us to, you know, to deal with our emotions and our feelings. But many clients would say, but how do I capture that? Mm. And so that was one of the things, there were several things, but that was part of my inspiration to create a journal. Each page has an affirmation and a positive quotation. There's poetry in there. There's self-care tips. But each page, because some everybody, let's, let's be honest, everybody's not going to go see a therapist. Everybody's not going to go see a counselor. Mm-hmm, even mm-hmm. If, the, if that's available, it may not even be accessible to me or affordable to me. Mm-hmm. But that journal is a tool where you can write your heart out or that day when you just come home and say, I just need to write, write one word on a page. Mm-hmm. But it, it's that capturing those feelings, it's capturing those emotions, it's capturing those goals and those plans 
all in a sake your sacred space so that you can look at your growing your growing points. Because mm. I look back in January and, and the call, I'd be like, "Woo, what was going on with me then?" Then, but I was writing <laughs> this. Mm. But it's part of me. My one of my terms that I love to say is, "I'm growing forward." Mm. That's good. Mind, body, and soul. But I always want to grow forward because life has so many lessons. And so as you're enduring and engaging in those lessons, you can either go backwards or you can grow forward. And so my choice, notice I said my choice. Your choice. Is to grow forward because if it was based upon my emotions, if it was based upon some of the people that are in my circle, and you know, family, you can't get rid of them. Friends, mm, family, you stuck with them. You don't get to pick them. Mm-hmm. So I got to choose. That's that emotion, going back to that emotional intelligence piece. Because one of the components of emotional intelligence is relationship management. Mm. Okay. Yeah, it's based upon the, the theorist. His name is Daniel Goldman. It's four components to that theory. The first one is self-awareness. The second is self-management. Third, social awareness. And the fourth component is relationship management. Mm. That's how he conceptualizes emotional intelligence. We go Mm. through all four components every day. Mm. You can't, you, that second one, you can't manage self if you aren't doing the first piece, aware of what's going on with self. Listen, because I know there's something that's going on. I'm not the one you need to talk to today. <laughs> right. So I can't even, if I'm not aware of what's going on with me, how can I manage that? Wow. And then you're going to send me out into the, the social piece, whether it's the digital social world, whether it's my home. I, and then relationship management. Mm. That's what emotional intelligence is all about. And, you know, for folks who are looking at their careers, many employers now, especially some of the larger corporations, they're doing not just your IQ, they're looking at what your emotional quotient is. How would you handle, you know, those, those questions? Well, yeah. if you were in this situation, mm-hmm. DiCarlo, and if this happened to you, DiCarlo, on the job, well, who would be the first person you'd call? And hmm, so you would call that person. And, and what, what's the rationale? Why would you call Ayana versus mm-hmm. Pam? Mm-hmm. So that's all about, I want to check where your emotions are. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who are you calling? Who's in that circle of trust? Mm-hmm. That you know that you can rely on, that you can that you can let it all out. What, what's that circle look like? And trust mm-hmm. me, as we're on this life journey, I tell people that circle's not going to look the same. Yeah, it's not. It's not. not a bit. Mm-hmm. It's not at all. I I love. I, first of all. Y'all, if y'all didn't get it, go ahead and rewind it <laughs> and write this down because these, this is, this is what we need. And sometimes we need tools. Now y'all getting this for free and that's okay. That's fine because that's, that's, that's what this podcast is here for to give you tools. If you decide that you don't want 
to go to a therapist. And that's okay. But you got to find a way to manage it. Yes. Now, before we get into some more tools, let's circle back around um, to this. We talked about grief. We talked about depression. But let's talk about suicide. Let's, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in hearing your point of view uh, from the behavioral health specialist side, uh. especially on suicide and why people decide to take their lives. I know there's so many reasons, but I know you have said, um, you know, like, what are the signs? You know, people ask, what are the signs? People ask all the time, what are the signs? But then what I ask is, what got this person to that lowest point to decide that I have no worth to live? No one Mm -hmm. can keep me here. Not even a thought in my mind that I love myself or even that God, that somebody, if, if God don't love me, I love me enough to keep me here. Mm. You know, it, 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 uh, it, 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 it's sad. It hurts because it's happening so much. And as I mentioned yes. before, it's happening a lot in, in our community. It's just an uptick of just constant people. I, I remember seeing, a it was like a video that resurf that surfaced like last month of this man jumping off a highway bridge and, just ending his life right there and everyone was trying to stop him from doing it and people cars were stopping the highway people were just stopping on the highway and pulling over and trying to help him and then he was just gone you know so what is your you know speak on that if you can sure sure you know it's especially in our community and I'll think of, I'll talk about it like from a family perspective, uh, from a, a faith-based um, setting. There are still two taboo words. The S word, I call them the S words. Sex is still a hard topic to talk about, and suicide. Sex and suicide. But if we don't talk about it. How will we address it? How will we recognize it? You know, when you think about there, there's no real rhyme. And that's the hard part about suicide. There's no real rhyme or reason to it. Once the person is gone, we can't come and ask them because people always want to know what drove her to that. What made him do that? They're gone. So we're left behind as spectators of life. Spectators, try, like those detectives, we're trying to pull the pieces together. But we will never, ever know because that person is gone. And so that, and here comes another term, mindfulness. Paying attention to that present. What's going on right now? Like I talked earlier about social media, 
so many people, and particularly young people, because that's what they rely on as far as their character and, and their definition of character. When something happens at, at the school, at the party, at the game, or something, got, the secret got out. See, it's not those times when we can hush hush it. Now we're going we to put it all out, all the pictures. We're going to post everything on social media. So that person that's that you know that they're talking about, I can't control it. I can't control. It. I can't keep keep clicking delete. Uh, uh, that's not me. That no, no, because the pictures that that is you. So I'm losing control when something is spinning out of control. And I can't think of how I'm going to mend this or fix it. And the only way is to check out, shame, the guilt, not just me, my family. I'm, I'm assessing my self-worth. They'll be better off if I'm not here. Then they don't even have to deal with So we, when we ask, well, what's going on with suicide? These are things that people are dealing with. And contemplating. And that's why it's so important when we talk about the behaviors and the addictions. Because let's just think if, if let's just say something got out about Pam on, on Facebook. And then I resort to drinking. I'm going to, I'm going to wind this thing down. I'm going to, I'm going to tequila. I'm going to dip. This is how I'm going to do. So now my, my frame of mind is altered. So I'm not even able to make the best decision on how to deal with what's going on because I'm not, I, I, my mind is gone because the behaviors. So if you are making that kind of decision and those type of behaviors are going on, you may not even realize the extreme to go to suicide. That person may not have one, even want to commit suicide. But because I'm engaging in some of those behaviors, or even if I am aware, it's the extremities. It's it's the coping. It's that, what does my support circle look like? Did anybody ever tell me that no matter what I do, or no matter what I say, that you're still going to love me? See, that's what that unconditional love is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will say, oh, I'm in her corner. I'm in his corner. Be careful because he, we're human. Whether it's intentional, that ugliness, that being affiliated with ugliness, that's some real stuff. See, because even, even with the suicide, that family still has to deal with the questions Yeah. once that person is gone. Those friends still have to answer questions questions when that so it doesn't go away let's see that's what i don't want to tell people is that because you do that or even think about it it doesn't go away it just leaves the spectators and your family friends and close associates now we got a job now we got to now we got to try to figure out and answer stuff that we don't even have an answer to yeah Bullying, bullying in the workplace. We talk about school. Bullying happens in the workplace. 
people get pushed to, to do things that they don't want to do in the church. You know you didn't want to. You know you did not want to be the president of the choir. Not this year because I got this going on, this going on. But, but because they kept telling you, go ahead, girl, do it. We got you. And then when you need to help and they not there, those same people that say, we'll help you. Oh, I'm too busy because I'm going to Vegas this weekend, girl. I don't have time. Yeah, yeah. Those same people. So then you start becoming isolated. You start withdrawing because how many times you're going to ask for help? And every it time I ask, come. you can, it can't come. Ooh. And see, people think it's just the, if they ask me for finances. No, no help comes sometimes. And I just need five minutes of your time. I don't necessarily want you to give me any answers or whatever. I need you to listen. Yeah. I didn't say, do you hear what I say? Hearing and listening, there's a difference between those two. I want you to just listen for five minutes. Let me get this off my chest because I've been carrying this. See, those are the things that help people to get through past. Okay. But when you start feeling isolated, I'm the only person that's going through this, whatever that is. The only way out in my mind is suicide. Mm. That, that, now that, that was a good breakdown. That makes you consider. It it, kind of makes you consider what your responses are to people who even if that wasn't a thought but it makes you think if this person has asked for help and i've denied it to them you know i didn't help in them you know not feeling like they are losing control yes make for feeling like that you're losing control and and I can only not if even relating, just thinking about characters I've played, you know, in plays or in musicals um, where they are spiraling out of control. Yes. But it doesn't like I never really thought about that piece of the puzzle. You're losing control. You're asking for help. And I think that sometimes, you know, like you said, it doesn't mean that the person is looking for monetary gain or they just need a listening ear, not someone to hear them, but for someone to listen. Sometimes people don't feel that they are understood. I remember growing up and I always had to make my point because I felt like no one understood me, mm-hmm. you know, and I just felt like no one actually listened. And so I, I see, I see that. I see that. That that's that's good. Thank you. Thank you for yeah. that. Because that yeah. that actually that that makes a person start to consider your responses to people. Yeah. You know, we, we always say my Angelou says, uh uh people will forget uh what you said to them, but they will always remember how you made them feel, you know, how, how, how you made them feel. And, and, and our responses, how we respond to people, the tone of your voice, the attack 
of yes. the words, you know, how you're coddling the words. Is it demeaning? You know, is it making a person feel less than? Right. You know, those things attribute to these feelings. But like you said, when I start to feel like I can't control something, so I resort to a coping mechanism, uh, an escapism of drinking, of drugs, of sex, of sex coupled with drugs and drinking and constantly, constantly, you're not in a frame of mind where you can't think. You can't. It, it could be something as simple as shopping. Listen. You know that people, you hear people talk about retail therapy. <laughs> yes. And you know you can't afford that. But at the moment, that's why that mindfulness piece is so important. Mm -hmm. But at the moment, it's making you feel good. But all the while, come June 1st, my rent is going to be due. Pepco, the water. And guess what? The electric company don't want to hear about you needed some retail therapy to help you get through whatever it was. Mm. No. In the meantime, we're going to shut your lights off. Until you get some real help. Come on. You talking. Keep it real. Responsible. Mm -hmm. So again, it, those type of behaviors, they alter your mind and your decision make and the capability to make healthy decisions. Yeah. I didn't say perfect decisions. I said healthy decisions. Yeah. That's mental you know, health. That's 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 what mental health is. That's and you know, and the church, when I talk about the church and the faith base, we gotta get past it's more than just pray about it. Come on. Now you're talking real good. Go ahead. <laughs> Baby, you know, you're the poor that person has the V word, their vulnerability. I've shared, I've poured, all of that snot cry, all of that, the emotion. And after all of that, you're going to hug me real tight and say, let's just pray about it. I believe in the power of prayer. I also believe in the power that God has designed professionals to help me yeah. to deal with what I'm doing. God has yep. created other people that might not be in the church setting that I can get. So, yes, there's more to it than Pray about it. Yeah. Because that's how a lot of people, let's be real, a lot of people lose faith in who God is, who Jesus is, because I prayed about it and I'm still drinking. I prayed about it and I'm still sleeping with her husband. I'm, I'm, I'm praying, but nobody talked about the prayer requires action. Oh. Ooh. Not just to be a hearer of the word, but you got to be a doer of the word. And Nehemiah is that the people had a mindset to work. It requires prayer requires the work, the action for change. You do your work. Yala you says it all the time. You got to do your got work. To do your work. Yes. Your part, he's going to do his part. He said, but I also equipped you to do your part. Were you doing this and you doing that? In the book of Ephesians, for those of us who are the believers, it says that the power is in us. You're looking for the power in every person, every place, at the casinos, doing that. You're looking for the power that's already in you. It's your job to ignite the fire 
because it's only going to work if you do that. Mm-hmm. And that that's and that goes back to exactly what I said of I we got to that idle place, but we had to get we had to take initi- initiation for ourselves. We had to take the initiative yes. to decide, hey, I need to do X, Y and Z because I'm getting a little too stagnant in what I'm doing. I'm not seeing some type of growth. And I know that we get frustrated because we're stuck We f- or we feel stuck. And I'll say mm. that uh, where we feel like there's no type of um, there, there's there's no progression. And sometimes that means that there's something that we've been putting off that we need to do. There's there's mm-hmm. another assignment for us to be doing uh, other than what we think it is. Yep. And in those quiet moments, like you said, and, and something just kind of hit my brain when, when you had talked about uh, your journal, but even journaling, I know everyone doesn't do it, but there has to be some type of outlet. And sometimes yes. we have to be willing to give journaling a try. You know, yes. I know my outlet is performing. When I step onto the stage and when I'm in rehearsals and when I'm singing, I'm expelling, you know, the stress. Like I'm putting that into uh, my character moments and putting that into my feelings. And I'm letting that fuel, you know, yes. everything that I'm dealing with, all of that stress. So I'm releasing that. But yes. when you don't have a place to release and you don't feel like you have a safe space, you know, because that's another thing that we don't talk about are the safe space. People don't make spaces right. safe anymore. You know, everyone has opinions right. and everyone has their thoughts on and everyone feels like they know more than everybody. And no one wants to sit down and just kind of glean mm. and no one wants to sit and 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 learn. You're never too old to learn more. Never. I learn new stuff every day. This every head, day. big head of mine get bigger, bigger every day because every day. I'm learning something and I'm and I like to learn more. I like to talk to people and have those intelligent conversations. So then I think for for you listeners out there, can you consider changing your circle? Mm. You know, changing uh, the people that you're talking to, changing who you're talking to about what you're talking about, you know, like like you can't share everything. You can't talk about everything. And sometimes you got to keep things to yourself until it came to fruition. There were there were a lot of people that I did not tell about, you know, this podcast when they found out about the podcast, everybody else found out about it. You know, I couldn't share this endeavor with everyone because I realized not everybody is in your corner. That's not right. everyone is not uh, everyone is not there for your success. And sometimes we're looking for people to celebrate with us. Yes. And, but you got to be able to identify who that is yes. and, and identify who's there. Because sometimes when we're looking for celebration, well, sometimes we need correction. 
You know, uh, sometimes we need people that are going to be honest with us and say, okay, that's nice. Well, have you thought about X, Y, and Z? This helps me to be a better person. This helps yes. me to be a better person. So then when it's released, they are celebrating with you. But not only are they celebrating with you, but they're standing by you. I have a yes. friend of mine who I check in. Uh, he helps me to check in. Like I mm. check in with him and I say, this is what's happening with the podcast. He said, okay, that sounds good. And then he, what his mind is going to now is we got to find a way now to get this on a larger scale, you know? And he was like, you can't just do this for this moment. You have to keep doing this. Yes. Those are the type of people that you want in your corner. That's going yes. to continue to push you and push you in a healthy way. Who's right. there for your endeavors, who's there for you personally, but who's there for you in endeavors outside of that personal realm of friendship. Yes. You know, and and I again, like I have enjoyed myself with with all the guests that, that have been on here because I've gained uh, friendships, you know, even with meeting you in the short span of meeting you. Mm. I realized, wait a minute. That was a God ordained divine connection because there's something that you have that I need that somebody else needs. And like you said, when we start to walk into our authenticity and our authentic self and our purpose, we realize that I am now straying away from those thoughts. I'm not letting those thoughts wear me down because I realize there's a bigger picture. Yes. Mm -hmm. now, now you talk about me. You said a word. <laughs> you said a word because, you know. You you can't you have to be so mindful of even sharing success or or if it's a challenge or a problem with whomever because folks will sabotage you whether it's intentional Come on. or not. That's and real. And then see, you start you know what you what you're supposed to do, but then you keep hearing now and you're well. Is this really the time? Should I really be doing the podcast or? Or maybe I should be writing the content, but maybe somebody else should be the producer. Or should I wait to, maybe this is not the year. You start doubting. And, and, and time doesn't stop. So while you're doubting and now you've been gone and distract, time is steady going on. So what you said, your goal was to have this done by January 1st. And you done checked in with all these people because you need some validation or whatever it is that you want to do. Here comes June. We're halfway through the year. Now you try, oh, maybe another a year has gone by or whatever. Do what you're supposed to do. Don't do the bojangle. I have a, conversation, a friendly, he calls it the bojangle. When you're trying to dance and prance and see what the other people are going to say about what you're doing. No, no. Mm -hmm. You do you. And be okay mm -hmm. with doing you and keep it moving. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. And so, um, can you just, this for free, y'all. So, now you ain't going to get everything. <laughs> but <laughs> This is for free. But when people are in these bouts of grief, um, in you know 
falling into depression, whether they realize it, whether they've come to realize it or they don't know, or they're even questioning their existence. Um, They feel like they're spiraling out of control. Can you give us some tips, some uh, strategies that we can do to kind of rectify or kind of get us to a place of realization before we fall into these dip, these deep pits, you know, mm. of thought. I think that's, that's so situational. I wish I could, could give a blanket response to that, but mm. it, it's, it's so situational. I think one of the biggest things that we can do though, is take ownership of self, That's good. whatever's going on. Take ownership of self, whether it's the good, the bad, or the ugly, take ownership of self because that's who, that's what's going on with you right now. And then look at that and say, is this where I need to be? What resources, who's there? What, what can I do to move past this point? Is this the time? Some time plays a very important part too. So taking all these things into consideration, but also be your biggest cheerleader. If you're not in your own corner, how do you expect somebody else to be there for you? It's not being conceited. It's it's not being arrogant. It's not, be your own cheerleader. Pat your own self on the back and say, girl, you got this. I ah, got this. Go ahead. I love it. You got I, I, this. I, I, I got this. Now, right now, to my natural eye, stuff is jacked up in the natural. But see, I see past that because I got vision. So you got to take ownership of self. Create your vision for yourself. Because, see, this circumstance, the situation is temporary. See, I see past it. And so because I can I have the vision to see past it, that helps me to push through the process. Mm. I I can't get to the outcome. I can't get to the end product until I go through the process. It, it's just like I love candles. But if you if you know how to make a candle. It, it, it's it's just the wax, it, it, but the wax has to be melted, which means there's going to be some heat, hot, hot H-O-T-T-T. There's going to be some heat in the process. And then once you pour it into the vessel, mm. once you pour that in the, in the vessel, all those experiences, all those people, all that stuff, you pour that heat in me. And then when you pour it, then you process it, and then it, it, it calms down, it cools, and it settles. And the end product, once you put that wick, that self in there, you have the end product of a candle. But through the process, see, people see the end. They see the prettiness. They see the glamour. They see the glitz. They see the end product. But you don't know the process. You don't know my story. Y'all, you know it's my name, but you really don't know my story. 
to get to the end product. But I can't even go through the process if I don't take ownership of self and have a vision for myself. Family, are you grieving? Are you depressed? Consider ownership, self-evaluation, and management. If you or someone you know are dealing with mental health issues or substance abuse, please call the National Helpline at 1-800-662-HELP, H-E-L-P, or 4357, confidential, free, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. This episode is dedicated to the families of the slain victims in the Uvalde, Texas school shooting. We stand with you. We are praying with you. You might join in grieving, but you're going to come out healed. I love you and thank you.